What's going on, you guys? Welcome back to the Neighborhood Podcast. I'm one of the co-hosts of the podcast. I go by the name of Kyle Dabra. What's going on, everybody? It's Kevin Valentin over here on this side. Kyle, man, we got some some interesting topics to talk about today. What you got for us on the agenda, big dog? Yeah, so with it being the first episode of the week, we've got a lot to talk about here. So first things first, we'll go over the biggest news of the day, which is Sam Darnold, former quarterback of the New York Jets, is now a Carolina Panther after a trade between the Carolina Panthers and the New York Jets took place on Monday afternoon. So Kevin and I will definitely get into that for at the top of the episode. And then after that, we'll talk about Paul Pierce was fired by ESPN today over a very controversial IG video that he took, I believe within his own house with a couple of female dancers that were in the room with him. So Kevin and I are going to probably have a little bit of fun with that one. That'll be definitely a fun topic for discussion. And then the last two topics that we'll talk about for the podcast today, we got to talk a little bit about Lonzo Ball and just the progression and the steps that he's taken forward to advance his career with the New Orleans Pelicans. He's having a career year so far. And Kevin and I definitely want to touch on just the progression that he's had really this year with the Pelicans. And it's it's definitely something to at least acknowledge and respect from our perspective. And then the last topic we'll talk about is Drew Holiday signing a four-year, $160 million contract extension with the Milwaukee Bucks. It's a great deal for Milwaukee and Holiday. Holiday now has the long-term deal that he was looking for, and I imagine both sides are pretty happy that this deal was able to get done. But with that said, let's get into the – Biggest news of the day, like I said, Sam Darnold going to the Carolina Panthers. So as it stands, the, the way that this trade went down is that Darnold goes to the Carolina Panthers and the Jets receive three picks. So they receive the sixth round pick of the 2021 draft from the Carolina Panthers and also a second and fourth rounder in 2022 for next year's draft. Kevin, obviously there's a lot to talk about here with this move but I just want your initial take on Sam Darnold officially becoming a Carolina Panther after this trade took place between the Panthers and the Jets today. I mean, I don't know where my mind was. I was obviously in the midst of watching star Wars and I saw my phone bling and I read the breaking news. I sent it to you immediately. And I'm just like, I was confused. Not, not because of the trade itself, but because of the destination he landed on. We all knew Sam Darnold probably wasn't going to be in New York's future. He's in a final contract year of his rookie deal. And, you know, I know that New York wasn't going to shell out or pick up his fifth year option. Unfortunately, three of his years were in probably one of the worst, if not the worst coaching situations in NFL history with Adam Gase and that absolute dumpster fire that was there for the last couple of years. But to get back on track, Sam going to Carolina doesn't make sense. but not because Teddy's there, but because Carolina was clearing so much cap to go for this entire Deshaun Watson situation. They have a lot of money invested in Teddy. They have a lot of money invested in Christian McCaffrey, in which they were even willing to offer rumored to kind of swap him for Deshaun Watson straight up along with some pick swaps. Um, Carolina's in this, 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 this flux, this kind of like, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? They're kind of in this loophole or this limbo. They're limbo. 
Yeah, they're they're in limbo right now because ever since the Cam Newton situation where they cut him and let him go and and the front office was in was questioning Cam's physical capabilities and his ability to to learn and change the playbook with new coaches coming into the system. Sorry, I had something in my tooth. Um I'm 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 looking at the front office and I'm kind of saying, what are you guys doing? I mean, Curtis Samuel just left this offseason. Luke Keekley just left a couple of years ago. You obviously let Cam Newton go, probably one of your best franchise player, one of your best players in franchise history. And, and now you're about to let Teddy Bridgewater walk after pretty much one season in which your best player and Christian McCaffrey was out for basically the entire season. I just, you, you threw the bag at Teddy. You said he's the quarterback of your future. It was rules first year. It was Joe Brady's first year as a quarterback's coach or the offensive coordinator, whatever position it is that he is coming out of LSU. And you go and pick up a younger quarterback who has a little bit of baggage. I mean, we don't know if he actually sees ghosts, but it's rumored, you know, that may be seeing some nightmares. I know Kyle remembers that game very vividly. I'm quoting the Monday night football game of a disaster the Jets had a couple of years ago. Um, But I just, overall, the move doesn't make sense. Um, New York got a bundle for him. I mean, that's a lot of picks for a team that's in a full rebuild right now. And I mean, Robert Sala is is kind of licking at his fingers right now saying we're going to go after Zach Wilson. And I'm assuming that's the direction that they're leaning towards for the future. Again, I don't know what exactly they're planning with Zach Wilson. I'm not saying he's not a good prospect, but he plays for BYU. And for my knowledge, BYU doesn't play a lot of competition in the NCAA. So I mean, like, could he have a season? Could he have a career like Josh Rosen where he had a good college career and then he doesn't pan out in the NFL? Could he have a Matt Leonard, uh, Matt Leonard career where he was an absolute fucking God in college and then just suck it up in the league? Could he be a stud? We don't know. Um, I was really hoping to get, uh, you know, a, a, a fourth chance, so to speak for Sam, uh, in New York with a new system. I was kind of hoping now that the, 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 the curse of Adam Gase that had left, um, I was hoping he would get a, a I don't know, I, I can't keep saying fourth chance. I feel like he didn't get a, a fair shot to begin with because of the situation. But I just I thought he would get a fresh start. New York seemed to be trending in the right direction. We all know Robert Salas, a defensive minded coach in New York. So I feel like the culture would have definitely changed. But I mean, again, New York wins the trade to me. But Carolina, man, it just. I don't know what's going to happen. Do they trade Teddy? We talked about it a little bit before the show. Teddy's too much of a cap hit to cut straight up. He's already been paid his roster bonus for making it into the league year. So they would definitely take a massive hit and let him go. Um, I just, I don't understand it. Is, is, did they trade for him to, 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 to shadow under Teddy for a year to let him go? Are they going to open up his fifth year option? I just, there's too many outlying questions for me. And to me, this is not the destination I felt was best for him. So I just, I don't understand it. I'm going to be honest with you, I think everybody lost this trade. I don't think there's any winners here. And the reason why I think that is simply because when you look at Sam Darnold going to the Carolina Panthers, I think it's better than the situation that New York is going to be faced with this year, just because I don't think the Jets are going to go anywhere good for this season. I don't think they're, they're going to have that good of a year. But is anybody expecting the Carolina Panthers to have that good of a year? I think what's going to happen is it's going to be more of the same. And that's Sam Darnold possibly playing against Tom Brady twice in the same division this year and getting his ass kicked by 25 points or more, just because 
the like the Bucks are clearly the best team in that division and probably the best team in the NFC and arguably the NFL right now. So when it comes to Sam Darnold, I, I do like the fact that he is kind of starting new. He is he does have a clean start in Carolina. I I do like that. It's just I don't think it's going to lead to anywhere significant as far as them competing for an NFC South division title or even a wild card spot. I just don't see that happening for him. And it does kind of create this awkward QB controversy between Teddy Bridgewater and Sam Darnold. Who's going to be the main guy? I I, I highly doubt that there's going to be a quarterback situation or a quarterback competition where Darnold and Teddy are going to go mano a mano to kind of figure out who's going to be the starter and who's going to be the backup. It, it all ensures to me that it seems to me Sam's going to be the starter because it doesn't make a lot of sense to trade for Sam Darnold and then him not be your starter. I, I, I wouldn't even make the trade if that wasn't the case. So it seems to me that Teddy's probably going to be on his way out. I, w- I would probably imagine within the next couple of days or the next weeks or in the next couple of weeks or so, that Carolina is going to be thinking about assembling some sort of trade package with somebody to get Teddy out of there. I don't know who, I don't know where he's going to end up. It just, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to me if they ended up keeping Teddy and Teddy being the starter potentially while simultaneously trading for Sam Darnold. I just, I don't see that as like a long-term solution. Now with the Jets, it seems to me that the Jets are going to go after Zach Wilson. So I believe he held a virtual meeting with the New York Jets organization this past week, or actually I think it was probably the last day or so. And if the Jets pulled off this trade, I imagine it probably went pretty well just to kind of take a stab at it. But is Zach Wilson going to be the knight in shining armor for the New York Jets? Probably not because a lot of the situation, a lot of the problems that the Jets have is that their offensive line is pretty anemic. They're not going to go anywhere great in the AFC East because you've got three teams that are all playoff contending teams or at least have a shot to make the playoffs this year in the Bills, the Dolphins, and the Patriots. And don't get me wrong, I think Zach Wilson is a solid QB prospect. He's definitely a top two, top three quarterback prospect as it stands right now but i just i hate that situation if that's what he ends up being being the potential starter for the new york jets if the jets happen to select him with their pick in the first round so all in all i just think that this trade is just garbage i I don't think it helps either team because the jets are obviously going to kind of stay the same I don't think they're really going to change that much, even with Zach Wilson potentially being the starter there. And honestly, had they kept Sam Darnold, I don't think it would have been any better than, any better either. And it does kind of suck because I think Sam Darnold is actually a decent quarterback. It's just that he has had a terrible experience being a first being in the league for the first couple of years, being led by a terrible coach in Adam Gase. So if anything. Adam Gase is really the one responsible for Sam Darnold's issues in the league so far. It's not because of Sam Darnold. Darnold's doing everything that he can. And look, it's if the Jets were really able to get, if this was the best that they could get for Darnold, 
good on him, but Carolina just picked up a guy that, like you said, was seeing ghosts when he was playing the Patriots a couple years ago on Monday Night Football. And that is something that the Panthers are going to have to not only address, but they got to make sure that they create some sort of stable environment and stable just pocket for Sam Darnold when he ends up playing. Because if it's more the same in Carolina as it was in New York, he is going to be a problem down the road because he, I think his confidence might get shot. So my, my, my thing is with, with Sam, um, I'm not going to sit here and bash him and say he sucks. Um, I mocked him because of the ghosting because it was funny because it was against the Patriots. Um, but don't be fooled. He has shown significant flashes in three years and making plays to do the best that he can to make the shitty team that he was on better. Granted, they were always getting blown out. I mean, they were pretty much always down in every game they played for the majority of the time with Gase. They barely won. We all know that. And uh, again, you know, you saw tippets and pieces that really showed that Sam has the potential to be great. But with the stupidity that is Adam Gase and the lack of talent around him and the lack of the offensive line for protection purposes, um, a young guy like that can't really develop or, or perform at a consistent level without said help. So, I mean, I, I feel like with Joe Brady, who we all know is a great quarterback coach, and with Matt Rule, a great offensive-minded coach coming from Baylor, um, I think the two of them really could help develop him in a better way to give him that confidence because we all know that you look at what Joe did in LSU with Brady there. I mean, the, the man was a wizard. Um, I mean, it's just a matter of can they get the ghosts out of his head to continue the joke? You know, can can they – can they show him the light? Can they make him confident? Can they give him reassurance to say, hey, you're the guy? Mm-hmm. If I'm a Panthers fan, I'm skeptical because you literally set up and down last season, Teddy's our guy, and now you're going to make this trade. So it's like, why are you so wishy-washy, so to speak? Why are you yeah. so inconsistent? So, I mean, I don't know. Um, to go back to the Zach Wilson thing, I just looked up. They play BYU plays in an independent conference. That's that, that that just reassures exactly what the fuck I said. And then they played absolutely nobody. The best team they played the entire season was Coastal Carolina. So of course Zach Wilson is going to look like a stud when he plays trash. I I don't know if I'm gonna believe in the hype of Zach Wilson because of where he's coming from. I did see that incredible throw that he made rolling out to his left and putting the ball over the shoulder, middle of the field to throw it about 50, 60 yards. No defense. Not a live game, and it's a pro day. So it's like you know you have to show out. So, I mean, granted, not everybody can do that throw in general. Maybe some professionals can't do that today. And it is talent nonetheless. But, again, it is in an open field with no pressure and nothing like that. So I don't typically buy too much into pro days like that. It's so I'm just cool, saying. It's a cool highlight. That's all it is. The, 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 the whole concept of trading away a future that you didn't know if it was bright or not because of previous experiences to go and basically throw a dart in the dark, the throw a dart in the dark just doesn't make sense to me. I understand your point of both teams being losers. However, um, I think the Jets win this because they are in full rebuild mode and they did acquire picks one this year and two next year. And I think that that does help them to rebuild in general. I think it's just going to be more of the same for New York. I just don't see them going anywhere past 
maybe the third spot in the AFC East this year. If they, if they're somehow able to crack the third spot in the AFC East this year, I give New York a whole bunch of credit because they're not getting any higher than that. They are probably going to own that fourth spot. It's just because it's like you said, um, teams and GMs have to give these coaches opportunity. You can't have somebody in for a season and then expect them to just completely revitalize the culture. It just doesn't work that way. You just traded away your supposed franchise quarterback too. So you're literally starting at zero. Here's the thing. And I I think Robert Salas mental, bro, this is the, we're talking about for those of you that don't know, this is the guy that runs stairs before every single game because he wants to get in the zone and that's how physically fit he is mm-hmm. and every player that's ever played for him on the defensive end in san francisco has said nothing but phenomenal things about him mm-hmm. and he was in the head coaching market for the last two seasons and stood in freaking san francisco so i'm just saying he's going to bring that gritty tough mentality tough defensive minded attitude into new york one of the biggest markets if not the biggest market in the world and i think that that's going to just that's going to change a lot of these young guys' mentalities, man. The poison is gone. Adam Gase is gone. You started off with a new quarterback, so it's completely Robert's team. I'm not saying they're going to win a lot of games. I'm just saying don't be surprised if this team ends up coming out of that, you know, bottom tier, top five picks every year to a middle-of-the-pack kind of team, you know, like a 7-9, and 8-8. Eight and eight. I know franchises don't want to accept that. You don't bring a coach to go 8-8. Eight and eight. You bring a coach to win a Super Bowl. But I think that the culture in New York is destined to change with him at the helm. I think Robert deserves a lot of credit. I think the biggest improvements that are probably going to be made on that team are probably going to be on the defensive side of the ball first. I think that offense is going to be a work in progress. It's going to be a work in progress because their number one receiver last year was Rashard Perriman. And he was an okay receiver in Baltimore. Really didn't yeah, but they went through like four quarterbacks last year. I, like I, Sam I, was hurt. They had Joe Flacco. I, I, I mean, I I get that. I'm just saying overall, though, that wide receiving core is pretty weak. And Braxton Berrios, he was a New England. He he used to be on New England. He got cut by New England. And That's the teams, right? I, I I think he played a couple games, but he was pretty much in and out of the Pats organization fairly quickly. And that's who you're going to end up throwing to. There's basically Brashard Perriman, Braxton Berrios, and that maybe is Quincy Inouye still on that team? No, I just look up their receiving call right now. Um, they they signed Corey Davis. They have. I, for, Crowder, I forgot about. I, I, I forgot about Corey Davis. I forgot about that. that was and good they got Mims missed about half the year with an injury, and he came out strong at the second half of the year. And they signed Keelan Cole from Jacksonville, the slot receiver, was pretty quick. And they still have Barrios on special teams. So they don't have all scrubs. None of them are really truly a number okay. one. Mims out of what, what is, where is he? Oklahoma State or something like that. I forget exactly where he comes from. Um, nevertheless, the reason, oh, Baylor. They drafted the big target for the reason of him being a potential future pick, a, a potential future number one. 6'3", 207, great vertical. So anyway, he's a big target. He's a big boy. But he has to continue to gain, you know, uh, knowledge of the playbook, experience, reps, and, and so on and so forth. But they do have a, a, a decent, uh, at least an average NFL receiving core. So I, I'll okay. give them that. Okay. Do they have a decent O-line? Uh, we already talked about that. We know that. We know that's not the case. And that is going to be the major issue that's going to face whoever's going to be the starting quarterback for the Jets. Because don't get me wrong, like you, met, like you just mentioned, I think having those skill guys there is going to be solid. 
but those guys are only as good as the opportunities as they're given. And it all starts up. It all starts up front. And if those guys can't protect whoever the quarterback is, it's not going to be a fun year for the offense. And the defense is going to be out there a lot more longer than they need to be. So that, oh, yeah. and that's the thing. That's the thing that I'm, I'm kind of happy with Sam is that he's out of that situation in New York. I just don't think he's really making a vertical improvement here. I think it's more of a lateral movement. So it's just, it's just, it's going to be tricky for signed Tevin Coleman. Who who signed? The Jets? Ew. Wasn't like a one-year deal? Ew. (laughs) I mean, mean, it's an okay move. It's just that Tevin's always hurt. Ew. I mean, I had Raheem Moser on my fantasy team last year, and whenever he wasn't hurt, he was actually putting up points. That's that's different, though. Tevin Coleman been hurt since the Super Bowl. I know. It's just... It is what it is, but it's just that's the Jets for you. I do think Robert Sala is going to make a, a decent. I I, I, w- I want him to succeed as best as he can, but bro, he is going into a tough division, man. Oh, you got yeah. to go up against Bill Belichick and the Patriots, Sean McDermott and the, the Buffalo Bills, and then you got to go against Brian Flores in Miami. I mean, you can make a case that that AFC East is looking like possibly the most competitive division in football next year. Because those top top three teams all have a – I would say the Bills are the favorite to win the AFC East right now simply because they made it to the AFC Championship game last year. But I think New England's gotten better. Miami is still in the mix. And Tua's second year, I kind of hope he kind of takes another step forward in his progression to becoming a pretty solid quarterback for Miami. And I want to see what Brian Flores does um, going into next year with his coaching style. It, it, it definitely seems like Flores has done a pretty solid job in improving the culture for Miami since he started there. And I want oh, yeah. to see if he, if he can continue that going into next season. So Robert Sal is going to have his work cut out for him. And this is not, this is a tall task for him to, be going up against the I knew that the Jets had one offensive lineman and that was this kid from Louisville last year uh, Becton I just looked up his stats he finished pretty much at the top of his position or up there and some of the best left tackles so on the blind side portion they have a very big man sitting there at 6'7 365 so I mean they have one piece to build around yeah. in terms of the offensive line. Pretty more again, though. but we well, agreed. But we will see what happens. I just, I kind of just want. I knew I was like, I was sitting there and I'm sitting there like I know. I kept hearing a name from New York, and he was huge. And I looked it up, and I was like, "That's the guy." And yeah, I was right. He's, he's a stud. Yeah, it's just I, I just I don't know what's gonna happen though with um the Jets next year, and it's really kind of up in the air right now because. The quarterback spot, the most important position on the field right now, is empty. Mm-hmm. And whether it's Zach Wilson or somebody else, I'm kind of assuming that's going to be Zach Wilson. I mean, it's like you said, he's coming from an independent conference. I now I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing, because Carson Wentz was playing in North Dakota State. He wasn't playing against anybody good, yet the Eagles took a chance on him, and he was in the running to be the MVP a couple of years ago until he tore his ACL. So 
Agreed. No, no, agreed. Not to bash independent conference players. It's just, you know, I just don't see him transitioning into doing something very well. I, I think the Eagles were a little bit were more stable than what the Jets are right now. But True. with Robert Sala coming in, could he change the culture immediately and swing at least some forward momentum for the Jets this year? Yeah, potentially. It's just if he was doing it in a different division, I would give a, a lot more. I, I have a, I would have a lot more optimism if it were some other division, like if it was the AFC South or the a, AFC North, but you're in the AFC East with three potential teams that could be vying for the playoff spots next year. That is, that's a tough ask for a brand new head coach. Oh yeah. Big time. But with that said, We'll transition into our second topic of the day, and that is Paul Pierce being fired by ESPN over his IG video a couple of days ago. This is – we're going to get into this very quickly. It's just – Paul Pierce went on IG Live the other day. He looked clearly inebriated in some sort of way. I don't know whether to it was alcohol. I don't know if it was alcohol. I don't know if it was we. I, I don't know what it was, but he was, quote, unquote, sauced. And he was on IG live. He was recording what seemed to be looked like his like in home, like strip club where there were a bunch of female dancers around. Everybody was throwing dollar bills in the air. It just, it was an absolute just nightmare that took place on this. Say for what it was. It was a shit show. On this IG live. But with that said, Kev, we got to talk about this simply because just, the pettiness and just what Paul Pierce did on the IG live the other day was so crazy. What's your initial take to what happened with Paul Pierce the other day? Immediate stupidity. Like there is, there, there, there's, there's no other word. There's no other phrase. It, you are a former NBA player. You are a Hall of Fame, a potential Hall of Fame candidate. Did, did, did he become, was he a finalist? Was he announced as a, a did he make it? I don't yeah. think so, right? I believe so. He made it? So, I, so you're a Hall of Famer. You work for the biggest sporting network in America, and you probably suck at your job. Like, I, I think Paul Pierce had some of the worst takes in ESPN history. I mean, he is just terrible. I, I, I hated listening to his opinions. It, it just, his takes were just god-awful. But anyway... You have your, you have everything set for you and you go and do that. That's literally like what a rookie does. That's what a college kid does. That's what a high school kid does. You, what, you, we act, you act like you, we don't know you're rich. We act like we don't know that you're Paul Pierce. So you got to get on IG and you got to flaunt the money and the strippers and the booze and the bud. Like, it's just, it, it, it's just irresponsible. It's stupid. It sets a bad example. It leaves a bad taste in ESPN's mouth and he may never get another job again broadcasting. It's just, you just don't do it. I literally, that, that, that's all I really can say. I mean, we can elaborate into, and go into depth about how arrogant Paul Pierce has always been, uh, you know, career wise, how arrogant Paul Pierce has been since the Celtics won the championship. We were talking about it off air. Um, this team specifically is the only team in like sports history that won't let this championship go and has to remind everybody on a daily basis that they beat the Lakers in 2007 and they were the greatest thing since fucking Betty Croc, Betty Crocker. I just, I don't understand it, but nevertheless, I just think Paul Pierce is an absolute buffoon for this. And 
he needs to be reprimanded. I mean, losing your job is one thing, but bro, you have to remember you have kids following you. You have, you know, you have influencers following you. Like that's a, that's a very big platform for you to fuck up. And you were, like Kyle said, he was clearly inebriated in every sense of the manner. He had some, uh, some clips I saw that he was taking shots. There were other clips where he was smoking a joint or should I say a blunt? And it just, it just looked terrible. I don't care what your excuse is. I don't care if, oh, my wife or my girlfriend, she took the phone and she started it. So I said, whatever. Or I was, I was drunk. I was, I was high. I didn't realize it. There's, there's no excuse. You're over the age of 40 years old. You need to understand time and place. If you want to do that behind the scenes, bro, I'm not, I'll never tell nobody how to live. Do whatever you want. The fact that you got to put it on IG Live, bro, you might as well go outside and wear I'm an idiot on your forehead because that's basically what you did. He just tainted his career and the image that he left, not only in his employers, or should I say former employer's mouth, but in every network going forward is irresponsibility. Kids, that's exactly what you don't do when you get fame and you retire because that's how you fuck everything up. I'm not going to go as far as what you said, but I'll say this. If he was going to do something like that, he was pretty much already on the way out. And that was probably the final nail in the coffin for him on ESPN. And I'm just going to kind of take this from a bigger picture perspective. Look, I think one of the biggest misconceptions that like a lot of kids have when they're younger is thinking like that adults are like the smartest people in the room. But in reality, adults are just big ass kids. And what you saw is exactly that from Paul Pierce on the IG live a couple of days ago. I mean, it's one thing to like go to the strip club and, and do what you need to do there. Like, look, we gave James Harden a bunch of grief for spending a lot more time in the strip club in Houston than he should have been doing by being on the court for the Rockets at the time. But with what Paul Pierce did on IG live, that's just something that you should keep private. Like I, had that not surfaced on IG Live, this wouldn't even be a story. Okay. It's, it's just, it seemed like Paul Pierce was already kind of on his way out of ESPN already. He'd be getting smaller and smaller time segments on shows, on NBA shows around ESPN. And it seemed like to me, he was already on the way out. Whether it was with this, this all but made it a certainty that he was going to be fired. But it was like you said, it's just some of the takes that Paul Pierce has had over the last couple of years has just been, I'm just going to say it. Some of the takes that he's had has been absolutely atrocious. He is still salty about the fact that Dwayne Wade had a better career than him. And he is still claiming after all these years that he had a better career than what Dwayne Wade had in his NBA career. And don't get me wrong, Paul, Paul Pierce is an NBA champion. I will give him that. But the way that him and a lot of the Boston Celtics have milked that one championship that they got over the LA Lakers in 2008 has been absolutely ridiculous. So I, I will give him credit for what he did in that one year and throughout his NBA career. He's, he's had a great career. Don't get me wrong. But to be salty about... Dwayne Wade having a better career than you and trying to like actually like argue that you were better when Dwayne pretty much has you beat in all statistical categories and achievements across the board. 
Roach, sometimes you just got to let it be. It just, it is what it is. I mean, the fact that Dwayne Wade has three rings is one thing, but he's just a better overall player than what Paul Pierce was in his career. It's just sometimes not even close. Not even close. So, Paul, sometimes, sometimes you got to let that pettiness go, but I tell you what, he didn't let that pettiness go on the IG video the other day. I'll tell you that. Hell no, man. He did not give a shit, man. He really sat there and said, bro, I don't got a job. I got no responsibilities. I'm a millionaire. Fuck it. Yeah. It's just, <laughs> you know, if he wants to be stupid, he can be stupid on his own time. But when you put it on IG live for everybody else to see, then the whole world is going to be like, oh, look at Paul Pierce doing just, just this, just call it what it is. It's just, he's, I mean, granted, he's probably having fun at the time, but lost your job because of it. So, I mean, yeah, good on Paul Pierce, I guess, in a sense. You had fun in the moment, but the long term ramifications of that are probably not good for his broadcasting career if he even had one to begin with. That's a definition of a, a, a wake up and say, ah, shit. Like, legit, if, if that wasn't, he doesn't reaction, care. He, didn't care. he doesn't, he doesn't care. He doesn't care. He's yeah. fine. And, and you know what? And the thing is, look, it's Paul Pierce. I don't think his pockets are going to be hurting anytime soon. So I, he'll be fine. Just an idiot at it, the end it, of the day. It, I mean, if anything, he, he has more time to kind of throw those parties in his own house again. Yeah. Good for him. Good for him. Anyway, next topic. Cause this is stupid. So, the next topic that we'll go into is probably a little bit more fun for us is uh, Lonzo Ball. And Lonzo, in his fourth year in his NBA career, is having what many would think as a career year with the Pelicans this year. There's been major statistical improvements in Lonzo's game this year, and it's showing on the court as well. The last game that he just played shot a career-high eight three-pointers in, I believe he scored, was it 27 points in that game? 27 or 28, yeah, so much. Yes, that. so he's he's definitely taken a lot of steps forward into his career. Kevin, I just want to get your thoughts on just the overall progression of Lonzo Ball throughout the years and really the great improvement that he's made this year alone. So, I mean, right off the bat, um, him at UCLA, great to watch. I mean, between the vision, uh, the clutch gene that he had in the NCAA tournament, um, his vertical, just pre- pretty much everything. He was for sure a top three pick coming out of college. And we all knew that he was more than likely going to the Lakers at the time, because I, who was the first overall pick in that draft? It was Ben Simmons, right? No, yes. I believe it was Ben. Simmons. Was it Ben? I believe it was Ben. So like we, we, we knew the situation that was coming out of it. And uh, we felt that not we, but people, or fans, should I say, felt that it was a great fit. Tutelage under Magic Johnson, young team. You know, uh, Brandon Ingram was drafted the year prior, so it was just like they felt that they were building a very young nucleus over there in L.A., mm-hmm. and it just didn't turn out that way. You know, the the the, uh, the summer league where Kuzma came into his own and they, they had that nice duo where they won the NBA Summer League Championship. Everybody thought Lonzo was poised to have an amazing NBA career, and it didn't pan out that way. Lonzo had some early injuries. His inability to shoot, uh, his inability to shoot free throws. So I mean, you, you name it, Lonzo had it. It just it it wasn't working for him. Lonzo averaged ten points his rookie season, alongside uh, I think it was six rebounds and seven or seven rebounds and seven assists. Um, great numbers, but again, Lonzo did get hurt in that year, so Lonzo did miss some games. Uh, the following season was the year that LeBron James got into uh, L.A. No, LeBron came in twenty nineteen. I forget. 
It was 2018. He played one year with Braun. 2018 into yeah, 2019. So, so the next year, Braun was there, um, and his load, again, did decrease. Uh, so he went from 10 points to 9 points, from 7 assists to 4 assists, from 7 rebounds to 5 rebounds. So he did take a step back. And it, it just seemed that Lonzo was getting worse and worse and worse over time because of his, again, lack of confidence and inability to, sh- inability to shoot. Overall in his career, he is a 54% free throw shooter. And at the time he was under a 40%, you know, um, a 40% field goal percentage shooter. So it just, it didn't look good for him on the offensive end. But Lonzo kept cracking, Lonzo kept working. And everybody knows that Lonzo is a lengthy guard who is very good at defending on the ball. And he is a great rebounding guard with phenomenal vision. I would go as far as to say myself that he is probably one of the better pure passers in the NBA in terms of for his age. I mean, we're talking about young, phenomenal court vision players that have the ability to just either pass somebody open or just find that open man, him and Luka Doncic and so many others. So, I mean, uh, I give Lonzo Ball a lot of credit. I was kind of leading toward that bust situation if this season wouldn't have panned out because he just did not seem to be performing as well as his classmates. Um, It is a hard act to follow up with. Are you sure it was Ben Simmons? I don't think it was Ben. I think it was Markel Fultz. That's what it was. Uh, Good call. So, uh, so, so uh, never mind with Markel. He didn't pan out of Philly at all. He started coming into his own in Orlando recently and he, you know, the tail, tail, tail end of Philly. But I mean, when you have Jason Tatum right behind you, immediately impacting the Boston Celtics and you're kind of sitting there shit in the bed, so to speak, it's really hard. And then obviously when, when Braun got there, the entire situation became, we want Anthony Davis and Braun did not give a shit who he had to ship out. He kind of just sent the world over because he wanted that one player as with me and Kyle have discussed the LeBron effect. Um, but again, back to Lonzo ball, I believe that this season he's made tremendous strides. He's averaging 14 and a half points. Again, you know, the rebounding total has gone down when you have Zion Williamson, Zion Williamson and Steven Adams down low, two very, very big paint presences down there. He's only averaging 5.6 assists, but the percentages that needed to be increased have gone up. He's shooting 42.6% from the field in general. He's shooting 39% from behind the arc, and he's shooting 78% from the free throw line this season, which just is absolutely incredible from where he was. And, uh, you know, he's got a great team around him. New Orleans isn't a threat as of right now, but they have such a young nucleus, a, a young core with Brandon Ingram, Zion, and, and Lonzo. I think if that, that, that trio is kind of kept together, they're, they're definitely poised to make some noise in the West. I don't know about massive playoff pushes, but uh, with Lonzo being on the trading block this offseason, or should I say this midseason, I really thought he would have gotten moved and I'm actually happy that he didn't because I think that New Orleans fits what he needs. Zion's a great athletic big to kind of you know run the pick and roll, throw the alley-oop to. Uh, B.I. is a great person to, you know, pass wide open, can knock down open shots, also create his own shots. And they just play well together. So, you know, I think Lonzo finally found a happy home, and I hope that they keep him there. And if he keeps this up, I don't see why he can't be a consistent role player in the NBA. Well, I kind of think of it like this because – Alonzo at one point was actively getting called a bust in the NBA. And a lot of people really kind of wrote him off, wrote him off pretty much after the trade where he was traded from the Lakers to the Pelicans. They really didn't think that he would really amount to anything great in the NBA. 
And I will say this, he has made tremendous strides to improve his overall game, not just as far as shooting the ball goes, just his overall vision, the way that he passes the ball and facilitates it. He has definitely improved in that aspect of his game. His shooting has significantly improved. And when you look at where he was shooting just a couple years ago, Kevin, he was shooting like 30% from the field in his rookie year with that whack sidearm, I don't know, 45 degree angle shot. Yeah, it was literally it, it was awful. Like this way. It was awful. And it just it looked odd. It looked weird. And it just looked so it just looked so uncomfortable. Broken. <laughs> yeah. It's just that's what it honestly looked like. But you you go from you go from that. I actually take it back. He shot 36% in his rookie year. He shot 30% from the three-point line. That's what I meant to say. Yeesh. But since then, he has been taking small steps forward. Even in his year in L.A., the, the last year he was in L.A., shot 40% from the field. The The first year that he was in New Orleans, shot 40%. But this year, he's shooting just over 42%. His three-point average has been has been moving in the way that it needs to. Like I said, he shot 30% in his first year with the Lakers. Now he's almost to 40% behind the three-point line. And he's averaging around, I believe, 14.5 points a game this year. That's a big step from last year when he was averaging only 11.8. And when you kind of look at his analytics when it comes to his win shares and his PER, they've all gone up. So I'm just talking about this year alone with him from last year. They've all taken a pretty decent step forward. Now, with that said, though, okay, well, what's Lonzo's potential? Is Lonzo potential star in the league? No. I think Lonzo, I think, is probably going to be what you would consider like a very good mid-level player. I don't think he's going to reach like the level of like Chris Paul, who was like the floor general that's been running the point guard position over a decade plus. But do I think that Lonzo can be a great piece to have at the point guard position that's a reliable player? Yes. If he continues to shoot the way that he's been shooting, if he's not turning the ball over and he's getting somewhere around the assist that he's getting, which is around seven to nine per game, if he's able to do that, I think he'll be fine. But he's come a long way from being one of the guys involved in that trade from LA to the Pelicans where everybody was writing him off and he has made a turn for the better. And not only just his play, just his overall like physical appearance has completely changed since what he got into the league. Granted when everybody comes into the league, they're, they're not as big as they are when they've been in the league for a couple of years. I mean, Giannis is a perfect example of that. Giannis was skinny when he first came into the league. You give him a couple years in the league, he gained like 45 to 50 pounds of muscle. Same thing is happening with Lonzo. Now, Lonzo didn't put on 50 pounds of muscle, but you can definitely tell that he is what you would consider a a prototypical player just from a physical aspect from where he was in his rookie year with the Lakers. He has definitely put the time in, and now the results are beginning to show. But do I think that he has the potential to be an NBA superstar in this league? No. But if he continues to go on this trajectory, 
I think he's going to be a solid mid-level player. And I think he's going to be a decent starter, whether it's with the Pelicans for the foreseeable future, or if it's with another team down the road. So you're saying you would agree with me in the sense if he's a starter on most other teams. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, no, I, 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 I couldn't agree I, more. I, I would agree. The, the only, it, it just depends on where he goes. Of if course, he, it's situational. It's yeah, all situational. So, I mean, if he's going to Golden State, it's not happening. It's not happening. It's just, but I mean, I'll tell you this. Like, let's just, let's play hypothetical here for a second. Let's say Lonzo ends up on the Clippers, just hypothetically speaking. Would he be the yeah. starter? I would say so. Why not? I just threw a team out there. As, 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 but they they just traded for Rondo. Though, I, so. I, I'm just I'm just saying hypothetically. I'm just I'm just, take Rondo out of it. I'm just saying if if Lonzo were to be traded to the Clippers some point down the road, whether it's in two years or three years from now, do you think he'd be the starter for that team? I think so. Yeah, absolutely. He brings a different dynamic. They haven't had the point guard position since Chris left. Not only on the defensive side, but someone that's passed first. When you have options like Kawhi Leonard. And you have an option like uh, George Paul, uh, you know, it, it typically, you know, you don't have to worry about him scoring 15 to 20 points. He can dish out eight to 10 assists a night comfortably because you know, the Kawhi and occasionally uh, George Paul are going to knock down some shots. So, I mean, it, uh, like we just said, it, it's all situational. It depends on where he goes. I think that if he were to come to a team like Dallas, I don't think it would work because Luca is the primary ball handler and Luca needs shooters around him and players that can create their own shots. Lonzo's obviously not that. If he goes to the Knicks, I think that would be a better fit. You have a lot of young scorers on that team, RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, yada, yada, yada. Um, I think he would help them tremendously because he adds, again, a defensive presence that would fit very well in Thibodeau's system and someone that would be able to develop a better shot over time as he has been in, in, the, in the last year or so as well as he would probably make the other teammates around him better. You know, like his, like I said, his court vision, his rebounding, his defense, and so on and so forth. Lonzo Ball is a unique player that, like you said, is probably going to be a middle pack average, uh, maybe a little bit above average player throughout his entire career. But if he continues to improve, who's to say he can't be a, a focal piece to a young team? Who's to say he can't yeah. be uh, uh, marked uh, untradeable because he just meshes so well with the team? So, I mean – uh, it's it's funny because he's come from so far with that whole big baller brand incident and LeVar Ball being my son's better than everybody. My son's going to lead the league. My son's better than LeBron James. And LeVar looked like he was eating shit for a couple of years until LaMelo came into the league or until Lonzo started to improve because, man, Lonzo was put up here on this immense, immediate godlike pedestal from LeVar. And when Lonzo didn't perform, he crashed and burned pretty hard for the last couple of years. So I'm just happy to see him doing well. I am too. And I I think if the Pelicans are able to maintain that core with Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and Zion Williamson, I don't know if they're going to ever reach like the top of the Western Conference. But don't put it past them to be a decent team that could maybe get like to like the four or five seed in a couple of years from now. Because think about it. I don't think that the Lakers are going to hold – the top spot in the West after LeBron leaves. I think the Lakers are going to take a step back. Um, the Clippers are going to be, I think, a decent team for the next couple of years. We'll see how the cold Kawhi and Paul George thing goes, but they could take a step George back. Paul. Yeah. So um, it's just one of those things that 
you don't necessarily know whether or not that it's going to work out for the Pelicans where they, they could eventually get to the top of the Western Conference. Because if some of these teams fall back, that could give teams like Denver a chance to rise. Denver's already gone to a Western Conference Finals. And if they just keep playing their cards right, yeah, they could position themselves to go to the finals at some point. Obviously, you got yeah, they're Portland. doing great with Aaron Gordon now. Obviously, you got Portland with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. So, I don't necessarily know what the future is going to hold for Lonzo Ball and his future with the Pelicans. But I think, and I don't know if you would agree with this or not, I would actually think that if he stays in the Pelicans organization, I think it would bode a lot well for his career than it would if he were to to switch teams again. Because I think that that one-two punch combo with him and Zion, if they're able to really develop solid chemistry for the next couple of years, why would you break something up like that? Because NBA executives are stupid. And like we've talked about a multitude of times, all sports GMs, if it doesn't work the way they want it to in their magical brains, everybody's expendable. Yeah, so it true. really depends. And, and, and again, I'm just going to continue to reiterate, it is a situational-based career path for Lonzo. If he stays, I think he does great. I think that if he continues to play the way that he's playing, he's going to probably opt out or you know choose to sign somewhere else because the market will be good and it will be high for Lonzo. Based off of the reports that Shams were given, was given in Woj, there were a lot of teams that reached out for Lonzo, but they just couldn't get a package that they wanted. Yeah. So when those people continue to f- inquire about Lonzo in the free agency market that's going to come this summer, um, I think I'll have a lot of calls too, especially if he continues at this pace. So um, congratulations to him for f- turning his career around, but also congratulations to Drew Holiday, who is our next subject, or should I say our next topic at hand. Drew Holiday over the weekend signed a four-year, $160 million deal with the Milwaukee Bucks. And I know when I saw this, similar to the Sam Darnold trade, I kind of looked at it like, wait a second. What? We're talking about Drew Holiday making $40 million a year. Kind of like what Pat McAfee does. Give a quick round of applause to this man's agent because Lord knows he just got him a bag. Performing miracles uh, out here, son. A bag. Um, again, I will just reiterate a fucking bag. So this man is making astronomical amounts of money this season, but Kyle and I were talking about it earlier, right before we started recording, he does deserve a majority of that because of the way he's been disrespected throughout his entire career. You're talking about one of the best defenders in the entire NBA. And I mean, I've seen him guard positions one through four, um, even on switches on some fives. Um, he just knows how to stay his ground, go for the ball, not commit a lot of fouls, and just stay in front of you. Um, he is an effective scorer. He's not anything crazy, but uh, Baylor just beat Gonzaga. I told everybody that that was going to happen. Um, to everybody that said otherwise, I kissed my ass. Um, we'll get what? into that. I don't know. We'll get into that later. What was the score? Come what was the score? 86 to 70 or something like that, 89 to 70. Smacked him. Smack. Smack them. Gonzaga's trash. They, they they play St. Mary's every year in their conference championship. They're the equivalent of FGCU. They suck. I anyway. I won't go that far, but I'm just saying Gonzaga, it's, the, it's the premise of it. Their their conference is trash. Who, who the fuck is in their conference? Give us, I'll give Gonzaga a little bit more credit than FGCU. They got to the national they championship had, for God's sake. They sense. they had 
their best season ever. This was their only loss all year. They had a great recruiting class. You know, they had an amazing tournament run. Congratulations. Yes. I knew they were going to lose. So back Fair to enough. Drew Holiday. Fair enough. Um, Drew Holiday is a career 16 points per game score, you know, four rebounds, six assists, nothing crazy. So, I mean, the man is definitely a, a valuable asset to any team. Mm. Um, the reason why he got the money, in my opinion, I don't know, like I said, Kyle and I were talking about it, is solely because of his ability later in his career. Currently, he's having a great season. He's averaging 17, uh, 5 and 5, just about. He's shooting over 50% from the field and 39% from the three-point line, and 81.5% from the from the free-throw line. Um, I think that the defense – solely got him this contract because he gives Milwaukee a way to kind of lock down. You already have a, a defensive player of the year and Giannis Antetokounmpo on this team. You just signed PJ Tucker, a gritty guy that can guard pretty much all positions one through five. You have Drew Holiday. Chris Middleton's a solid defender. So I think I see what Milwaukee's doing here, kind of just trying to lock down their big pieces and help them win over time. I don't know if $40 million is – I don't know the right direction that you should have gone on. I mean, I don't know if he's the, 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 the top choice, but again, he has proved that he can be a viable option on both sides of the basketball for Milwaukee. And overall, I think he's one of the most disrespected players in the league. Never given enough credit. A lot of NBA vets are out there talking about how he deserves it. And a lot of people, um, you know, former and current players have said he's the best defender in basketball. So, I mean, like, you know, it really depends on who you ask. I know Matt Barnes and Stephen Jackson talked about him being disrespected and uh, in a lieu of other podcasts and other shows. So Drew got the bag. Kudos yeah. to him. And he's doing what he's got to do, man. Milwaukee has turned it around this season and they're, and, they're, and they're winning games. So, I mean, it works for him. It's just I see that the price tag is just a little too high because he arguably is making more money than LeBron James this season, which is absolutely ridiculous. And I think that that's crazy. But Milwaukee was able to give him that money. And if, they, if they're willing to do that, so be it. I think I, I'm going to agree with you here on, I think, the team that Milwaukee is building. Because here's the thing. I think the only way that I think the Bucks are going to be able to get to a possible finals appearance this year is that they're going to have to make these games scrappy. And because... It's simply because they just don't have the shooting capability of what the Brooklyn Nets can do. I think they're trying. But aren't to, they one of the top three-point percentage shooting teams in the league? I, I mean, if that's the case, so be it. It's just my point is is that can they go toe to toe with Brooklyn with KD, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden? And if they're all knocking down shots, do you think the, do you think the Bucks are going to be able to go up against that? No. That, I'll say this. Drew's having a great stretch this last week or two. That's probably earned him this contract. And it's like we said at the top of the segment, whoever Drew Holiday's agent is, is performing miracles out here, getting him the money that he deserves. Lesson him, bro. I mean, good for Drew Holiday to get this contract from the Bucks because it gives him that long-term security that he was looking for. And I think... I agree that the, the contract is what it is. I don't know if it's going to have an impact on how Drew plays on the court, but I think Drew, if he continues to play at the clip that he's playing at, you got Giannis, you got Chris, and Drew has 
basically your third piece on that starting five. I don't know whether or not that they're going to be a great team going into the playoffs just because they've had their struggles in the playoffs the last couple of years. Is this the year they finally get it together? Maybe Drew Holiday is the answer. I don't know. I, I don't know. $40 million. I, I, like that, I would say that Drew is probably like maybe like a $30 million, a $30 million a year player, somewhere around yeah. there. But – 40 good on his agent that's you think, how I, you think you think this is desperation in milwaukee side i do a little bit a little they're, bit they're trying to they're trying to hold on to everything they possibly can they know yeah. they just tied down Giannis for the next five years so they need to keep him happy yeah th- this is a tricky one because i don't necessarily know what the long-term you know consequences of this are just because when you look at the cap i mean they got three mass contract players on this team and Giannis, Chris, and now Drew. So, long term, maybe there's they're like bottom five, like like you, when you talk about like the starting five, I think yeah. the starting five is going to be solid. But when you get to the lower end of the roster, as far as depth goes, that's where you're probably going to see the biggest impact because they're so top heavy. That's what you're probably going to see, just as like the long term consequences of this contract because you've got three guys that are making upwards of what like over a hundred million dollars probably next year alone so that's something that they're going to have to contend with moving forward but do i think that this sets up the bucks to be a finals contender this year no but i think the, the way that they have this team assembled right now I think the only way they get a chance to go to the finals this year, or at least kind of make a, a their presence known in the Eastern conference is if they shoot efficiently and they make these games grimy. And I think that's one thing that I think Milwaukee is going to have to do. I, Cause I don't think that they're going to be able to match the firepower of Brooklyn's offense. The only way they're going to be able to match Brooklyn is if they make that game grimy, they focus on their defense to carry them home. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, um, I mean, it's funny because I'm looking at this contract and I'm like, yo, by the time this is over, it's going to be 35. So this to me is very similar to the Chris Paul contract. Obviously, um, Chris got paid a great deal of money because Chris at the time was one of the best point guards in the NBA. Mm-hmm. But it's just the point of the amount of money he's getting yearly. This is top point guard money. This is top NBA player money. And he is getting upwards into his 30s. He'll be 31 in June. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think this is a massive uh, reach out of desperation because Milwaukee's in win now. They can't yeah. afford to have him leave and walk for nothing. And um, I think this is their way of saying, yo, this is what we're going to do. And we need to win right now because who the hell knows how they're going to be able to do this next season. Like you said, the three of them together are taking over a hundred million dollars in the cap alone. I would assume over time, if they want to win some of them, if not one of them will at least have to restructure because they're not going to be able to afford any talent. Yeah, that's true. I couldn't. I couldn't have said it any better. I'm just. I'm. I'm literally just staring at. It. I'm like. I'm so happy for Drew, but it's like Jesus fucking Christ. Like forty mil, bro. We're talking 160 million dollars for a guy Dude, in his thirties already. Like it's, it's crazy. It's, it's a lot, man. It's, yeah. I don't think. I just don't think that the Bucks are going to be able to get past probably the second round. 
They haven't shown us any consistencies in the postseason in the last three years. Why would I, we be able? Why would we believe it now? It, it, it's just this team. I, I've always said it. I think the main issue is Giannis is looking for his Kobe. And don't get me wrong. I think Chris Middleton is a solid two piece, but I don't think he's the guy to carry like that team to the finals. And I don't want to. I don't want to disrespect Chris Middleton like that, even though I just did. It's just ah, this, this team is just missing somebody other than Giannis. Giannis is the Giannis is a great five. Don't get me wrong. He but, doesn't even play the five. He fucking runs the three and the four. It's just it's his height that makes him feel like he's the five. It's just I don't know. This team is just missing something. I don't know I what agree. it is. I, I it's something's off. I don't know. I don't think it's coaching either because I think Mike Boonehoster is a great coach. He's a great coach. I think they have a great bench too. They're deep. They had they. I can't really look at a position and say they're really lacking in their in that spot. I think the problem is is that they lack a difference maker outside of the starting five. Yeah, there isn't a, a person on their second unit that can spark. Uh, you know, a run or that someone that can change the game when he enters the floor. And and not only that. Giannis is obviously the clear superstar of the team, but they do need a difference maker on the starting five. And I just don't think that Chris Middleton's it. Difference I, maker is, is Brooke Lopez. Boy. Nice. Yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Okay. It's just, I don't know what, I don't know what it is with the Bucks, man. Like the Bucks should be a better should, team than what they are. They should be the East, they should be in the Eastern Conference Finals consistently all the time. Yeah, agreed. But they right. just can't do it. I don't know if it's choking. I don't know what it is. But it, it, it's just oh god. I just I don't know. This team is just missing something. It's just I can't put my finger on it. I think they just they lack a difference maker on the bench and on their starting five. And I think if I don't know like who you would replace Chris Middleton with like. Chris Middleton's a good player. Don't get me wrong. He's a great two-way player. No, no, he's a great two-way player. And when Giannis was out in the postseason, he showed out. He dropped 30 on Miami's head. So, like, he's nice. It's just like he's overshadowed by Giannis's name and Giannis's performance. It's just – he needs to – like, I'm talking about Chris Middleton here for a second. Chris Middleton almost needs to take – one more step forward. I'm not saying that he has to be like a superstar. He's a he's a great two-way player like you mentioned. It's just that consistently in the playoffs, he has to be great. He has to put up 25 to 28 points consistently. And Giannis, look, in the playoffs, he struggles. There's no doubt about it. Big time. Big he re- time. He really struggles. Him and Harden, man. And the thing is, is that the defense knows that Giannis is probably going to get locked down to a certain extent in the playoffs, and they're forcing other guys to beat them. And Chris Middleton has got to be one of those guys that steps up to make a difference. Because if Chris Middleton can average, you know, mid to high 20s in the playoffs when it comes to points per game, that at least gives the defense a different look saying, okay, well, we have to respect Chris Middleton more because homeboy's knocking down shots. We got to put yeah. somebody out to defend him. And that does, that would leave some space over for Giannis to take advantage of. It's just that 
the Bucks haven't been able to figure out how to get past the defense stopping Giannis. It's the fact that Giannis can't shoot, man. Him and Ben Simmons have a problem. They're phenomenal with their court vision. They play great defense, and they can score inside. But when you have a seven-footer almost that – yo, bro, I'm I'm literally playing the paint the whole time. I'm waiting for your spin move, your patent spin move that you do. I'm going to have help on the weak side, and I'm going to make somebody else beat me because I'm going to let you shoot. All the defense is going to do is when Giannis comes down the lane, they crash in the paint. And he'll kick it out. They are not going to let him get those easy baskets in the playoffs like he does in the regular season. And that is why Miami contained him decently well. Unfortunately, he was injured. But in the games that they did play against him, I would say they they, they, they locked him up fairly well. So, I mean, yeah. when you have a player that's got a one-trick pony where you take one dribble and just throw it into the paint and hope to God you go somewhere, whether that's the free throw line or whether you get an end one, um, it becomes redundant. If yeah. I know you can't shoot, I'm not I'm not worried about you shooting the basketball. I'm literally going to tell everybody back up. Like, no matter the situation, no matter who's yeah. guarding him, unless it's a switch where I know he's going to back me down, I'm I'm going to need somebody to just lay back and, like, you know, focus on something else. Focus on the rebound because I ain't going to turn around. You make it, you make it. But I'm going to live and die with him shooting the ball from anywhere. I want to see the Bucks get to the finals, though. This team eh. – I want to see that this team takes a step. I think this team – has the potential down the road to take that step. It's just that I don't know if it's right now. Yeah, no, they need, they need more time, and it's going to be fine because Giannis and them are all there for a while. It's a matter of can they yeah. keep the support cast uh-huh. there with him because it, it's it's going to – that window's going to close pretty tight. Or should I say that window's going to close pretty fast. And yeah. Giannis is Milwaukee there. is in win now. Win now, excuse me. Giannis signed that deal for a reason. They got to go yeah. out and win. They have to go win a – finals or they have to at least get to the finals and that's no easy task when you got to deal with freaking teams like brooklyn and philly agreed and miami too miami may not be the best right this second but they are a gritty team in the postseason that showed out all last season yeah it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting but like like we said man freaking drew holiday's agent man good job bro good shout out to you big dog shout out to you But, but i mean um. Oh man, I just lost my train of thought. That'll shit. Kev, are you good? That'll pretty much wrap yeah, no, up for I'm me. Good. I'm good. I'm good. I forgot I had another point on that one, but I, it escaped my mind. It was probably me repeating myself. Regardless, been up all day. Um. You know, that's all I got for you guys. I mean, with that said, you guys, that'll pretty much wrap it up from here. I want to uh, thank you guys for tuning into this episode, whether it was on YouTube, whether it was on Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever it was. We definitely appreciate the support. Obviously, we'll have another episode for you guys later this week. Just to kind of give you guys a heads up on what we're going to discuss on Thursday night. Thursday. It'll be on YouTube on Friday. We'll talk about a little bit about the NFL draft. Kevin and I will kind of pick some players, see whether or not we think that they have like superstar potential in the NFL. Um, there was there was one topic that we were going to talk about, and it's uh, it's going to be another what if segment. Believe that we're going to talk about the Houston Astros and the cheating scandal that they were a part of a couple of years back. I think that'll be a really interesting topic of discussion right at the time where baseball is starting out of the 
starting its regular season right now. So that'll definitely be fun. And who knows? We may see some more NFL news pop up. We saw that Sam Darnold trade happen today. I don't know if there's going to be any more trades that take place where teams could change some spots in the draft in the next couple of weeks, but we'll definitely keep an eye on that. But Kev, I'll, I'll let you take this home from here, man. All right. Well, everybody, as always, we appreciate all and any support, every subscription, every like, every comment is very much appreciated. Um, for all the people out there that have continuously supported us from the beginning, again, you know, just want to thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Um, I want to give a big shout out to my barber, uh, Drew, you know, doing his thing out there, you know, making some shirts and whatnot, master's men's room and service, you know, not an official sponsor of the podcast, but somebody that's always supported um, from the beginning, always talked about it, plays it in the barbershop sometimes, you know what I'm saying? Just uh, big kudos to you, big dog. Uh, love the support. And uh, we really appreciate any and all love that you could give us. So if y'all need a haircut in Fort Myers area, come check him out. That's my dog from the Bronx from home. You know what I'm saying? Gave me this fresh fade over the weekend. So y'all see the work. Y'all know what it is. Go check on my boy, man. Masters Men's Grooming Service. That's everything I got, though. I know I need a haircut pretty soon. That's why I got the hat on today. So good. I had a hat on last time for a reason. Yeah, but you had the Rep Your Yankees hat. It was the first game of the year. Yeah, we all know how that went. Anyway. But with that said, you guys, that'll wrap it up from here. Once again, thank you guys for the support, and then we will see you guys later this week. Peace, everybody. Hey, guys. It's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric House Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric acid.